This is Dennis Ramondi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda. Our guest today, Mr. Elias Hamadan. He is the spiritual director of the Sufi Way International. He has been an initiate of the Sufi Way for the past 42 years. Uh, he is uh, also um, studied with uh, Buddhist teachers in Thailand, Native American teachers, <coughs> and uh, Christian monks. Uh, Elias, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on our uh, podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. And while I have the moment, uh, I want to thank you both for making a forum like this possible. Uh, I think it's really important uh, in our time that these kind of conversations can happen. Mm -hmm. So good for you. Thank well, you. thank you, Elias. Um, why don't we begin by uh, having listeners who haven't heard about you or your work with uh, Open Path um, become familiar a bit with you and your background. Um, uh, can you just sort of give us a thumbnail sketch of how you uh, came to discover Sufism and um, what uh, the origins of your path have, were? Well, uh, okay, you know, now that I'm, goodness, now that I'm 72 years old, it, uh, uh, to fit, uh, you know, one collects more and more stories from a very, you know, diverse <laughs> yeah. life. So well, to fit it all on my thumbnail, well, interrupt me if I go on too long. Uh, how, how I became, you know, as a kid, as a little kid, I was a pretty happy kid and actually still am, but, and... Uh, uh, out of that, and I was nurtured in that kind of in a loving family, and I had a my father was an artist, my mother a social activist, and I, we can't that that was quite a um, embracing, almost universalist uh, view that they shared. Although they n neither of them were particularly religious or anything. In fact, they were allergic to most of religious expression, but. Uh, it didn't seem to matter. I, I had some several spontaneous mystical experiences as a little one, and then <clears throat> you know I was a war baby, so that put me right in line to be a uh, well a child of the '60s and the whole psychedelic uh, experiences that we, many of us went through at that time, which kind of opened the gates to. Uh, the real, as we say, or that which is hidden in plain sight. Uh, but, of course, like many of my contemporaries, found that sacred medicines of various sorts were only were good at cracking open the door, but they weren't particularly good. There's no way to, to stay there and to develop a real, uh, let's say, foundation for, a, 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 let's say, a deeply spiritual and intimate life. So <clears throat> I soon began to search for, uh, I, I was pretty naive back then, and I thought there must be some people in the world who know the truth. <laughs> That's how I mm -hmm. said it to myself. And, uh, and I think it was through Gurdjieff and some of his writings that I first heard about Sufis, and I thought, oh, they sounded very esoteric and, and exotic, and oh, they maybe those people do know, and I so I kept, you know, that, uh, I kept my eyes open for that word and what they were, mm -hmm. and 
very luckily found a, a Sufi teacher who was perfect for me. Uh, a, a Sufism that, you know, most people think of Sufism as a as the mystical school of Islam. Well, uh, in uh, in the tradition that I became part of and still am is uh, recognized recognizes Sufism as a predating Islam. It's basically the the mystic journey of humans <laughs> as it goes. And it, it certainly got drenched uh, in Islamic culture for uh, a long time but <clears throat> and, and continues to be. Our, our path and tradition is, always recognizes and has the, the universal quality of the mystic, uh, 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 let's say, the project of awakening, and uh, and so that <clears throat> we have a, a let's say a non-sectarian uh, approach to awakening. Right, uh, uh, Elias, if I could interrupt you for a second yeah. and ask a question that I'm curious about, and that is that uh, uh, when one becomes a Sufi or takes the Sufi way, uh, is it a yeah. decision? Is it a step? Is, it, is there an initiation? Is there an instruction? Is there some point at which you're a Sufi uh, uh, one day, but you weren't the day before? That you, you've crossed some threshold. <laughs> Good question. Is, it, is, uh, yeah. is there, like, for instance, in, in Christianity, there's baptism. Uh, yeah. uh, how does it work with, this, with uh, Sufism? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it, it's, uh, ours is, like you say, it's an initiatic tradition, So it, because it goes from generation to generation and uh, it's it wasn't just something made up it's uh, it has this cumulative uh, like a, a stream of what we think of as a stream of blessing that is transhistorical and it it's not just ours there are you know it's a great tapestry <laughs> you could say of of this kind of this stream of blessing but uh, yes you do uh, if you want to become an initiate, yeah. Then you ask for an initiation, and it's a simple ceremony. We we are not. We, we try to downplay the the tendency of groups like mm -hmm. this to become a well, the tendency to become a cult or an in group or anything like that. We're really uh, uncomfortable with that. So it is. Yes, there is a, a process of becoming a, a member or a murid, a student, an initiate, uh, and yet it's uh, we we downplay that the division between those who are initiated and those who are not. It's sort of uh, initiation basically means that the person realizes that awakening and service which is our kind of our reason for being, is central to their lives. And in a way, it's simply a matter of standing before the universe more than anything and saying, this is what, where my heart is. This is where my path lies uh, in this ever-unfolding uh, awakening. Uh, and what, when one comes to that, then they ask for initiation. And what that gives is a... Really, it's a lifelong friendship of uh, sometimes it's guidance, sometimes it's um, consolation, but a, a kind of a community of friendship of fellow, what I could, I want to avoid the word seeker, 
exactly, but uh, c- companions on the path, let's say. Mm-hmm. And and Elias, uh, your particular lineage, because there are many lineages within sure. Sufism, uh, apparently traces back to Inayat Khan, and uh, many of us who, um, as you suggested earlier, were seekers in the 60s and um, uh, are familiar with him and may have read uh-huh. read some of the books he, or uh, works he left behind. Uh, but he passed uh, sometime in the 20s. Um, so who was your teacher and uh, the uh, how, the uh, sort of successor in the lineage? Yeah. Uh, I'll try to avoid getting too long-winded here, too, because <laughs> okay. it's, a, it's a whole, you know, there was a whole uh, a series of mm-hmm. kind of, uh, there are four, let's say, four major tarikas or branches that came out of his original uh, work. Okay. And I was lucky enough to, to, in a way, to find the one that was, at least had the, the accurate, uh, the most intact succession of peers or leaders. I mean, it went basically from him to his brother, to his cousin, to his younger brother, to his uh, uh, to gr- his nephew, the great uh, the great grandson. Uh, sorry, the grandson of Inayat Khan, and that was my teacher, Fazal Inayat Khan. the The son is the one, uh, Vilayat, uh, Pir Vilayat was. He's passed now, but he he was the most famous and yeah. well-known of the scions of Inayat Khan. Uh, my my teacher was less, much less known, and much more interested in let not getting huge, not having a big movement, but working with people, and I'm. In a much more uh, intimate and and uh, small scale, we would have. I mean, I was at a uh, a Sufi center and lived there for five years in England, and it was somewhere between twenty five and forty people at a time. So that kind of hothouse, that mm-hmm. in a way, Sufism used to be that in the sense it was an oral. It has been an oral tradition predominantly, and working with uh, on a one-to-one or small group basis, and we're still that way. We're, we're dedicated to this, kind, uh, let's say, this kind of depth of inquiry and discipline, and yet, well, enough said. Elias, in your day, is there always time or put aside for spiritual exercise? And if so, what type of uh, spiritual exercise do you and... and uh, uh, practice and and is it associated with your uh, being a Sufi? Uh, that's a, uh, several questions wrapped in one, <laughs> and I'll try to uh, to go to the last one point for a moment. Uh, being a Sufi is is a slightly awkward. Uh, term that uh, you can't really be a Sufi. You can't even. There is not even, as from our view, can't. There's not even a Sufism. It's not really an ism like that. It is uh, to be a Sufi. It's more to be to aspire to a Sufi ideal, which is awake, present, compassionate, uh, all the beautiful words that we have uh, to, uh, to uh, and to. Embrace all all of life, as um, as my teacher would say. Be interested in everything, mm-hmm. 
and and or play the whole piano, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and and so, uh, in terms of daily practice, wow, that uh, that varies in in many ways. But well, I, well, the reason I ask, let me read it out, sorry, okay. uh, Elias, because yeah. when when I think of most of our listeners, uh, when okay. I think of uh, Sufis, I think of people. Uh, being, uh, you know, a whirling dervish. Uh, when, when, I, when I, when I, uh, I've also talked to Sufis that are more into the silent meditative, meditative aspect of Sufism, where they yeah. uh, they go to the heart. And, and so I think most of us think of uh, Sufis as as and, and the, that religion, or uh, as a one where the emphasis is on experience as opposed to just doctrine. And is that the yeah. case in in your case? And, and what is it dancing and being a whirling dervish? Is it uh, going inward into the heart? Uh, or is it none of those? Thanks for the clarification of the question. Yeah. Um, we're, uh, I would say, well, we certainly don't, we're not whirling dervishes types. So that's uh, Mevlevi's uh, particular mm-hmm. branch. Uh, no, we're. Uh, we understand our, our whatever Sufism is as being these three aspects. Uh, it's experiential, as you mentioned, direct experience instead of just a lot of doctrine and talk. Uh, it's inclusive. That and that. Let's just say that's it's universal. But it means that whatever works, whatever. Uh, I, I'm a student of Dzogchen, you know, Tibetan Dzogchen, as well as Zen, as well as Christian mysticism. So. It's inclusive of all pra- forms of practice, as and even devotion. I mean, I'll, I'll go to mass as easily as I'll go to a mosque and pray with them, or it doesn't matter. Um, that's that's not. Uh, there's no impediment there. And the third, uh, experiential, uh, inclusive, and non-definitive. That is, is a nice word. Non-definitive means. We're not going to stick with it. It's not a religion in the sense of having a, any kind of dogma or a, a, an ideology behind it in the sense of a, a storyline, mm-hmm. a narrative. Uh, so we're, it's, it's wide open. And the, the work that I do, I call it now the open path, and really Sufi way, open path are really synonymous. But it has... The open path, which is predominantly what how we show up in the world through trainings and retreats, called that. It's really uh, without. You know, some people think, oh, in order to do this work, I'd have to be a Sufi, and it's sort of an impediment because they, oh, I have to jump into some kind of sectarian view. It isn't like that. So the open, it's wide open. This open path is actually. The one we're all traveling on, actually, mm-hmm. it's it's ours. It's intimately yours and mine, and everyone who's listening to this. And th- that welcome and invitation, um, to me, is the has the has a profound power to uh, mm-hmm. uh, what? It's it's not like becoming something special. It's Becoming what we are, mm-hmm. and in, and like I said, embracing life fully, whether it's activism or meditation and quiet. I mean, the whole, the whole smorgasbord. <laughs> it's ours. Elias, um, 
in your uh, own personal background, you have drawn mm-hmm. on uh, the mystical uh, branches of most of the world's traditions, mm-hmm. and it, you make a point of, of defining the open way as well as an open, I mean, the open path as a, as, a, as a path that's, by definition, open to all of these, um, these sources. Yeah. Do you find um, that um, people in opening up to this kind of um, eclecticism and free, open-sourced uh, spirituality, um, that, that kind of approach has been sometimes criticized as being a sort of spiritual promiscuity where you know people don't go deep into anything. Yeah. Do you find that a danger? I wouldn't think it would be in your case because you've been at it for probably half a century now. But exactly. um, yeah. but in with yeah. newer people, do you find that a, a distraction or a danger? Oh, oh yeah, we're quite aware of it and and express it. Uh, just very similar to how you have this kind of mm. t- the tendency to have a. a cafeteria-style religion now, and uh, this syncretic, well, you know, coming from different sources. Yeah, it is a a danger, but in uh, our approach, it's sort of, we're also, we're committed to direct experience, which, where, and that's where all of these traditions, if they're authentic, they come, in a sense, together, where we're really speaking of and pointing out and in, and, and inviting this uh, pri- primal awakening that's common to all of us, whether it's Buddha, Jesus, you or me. It, it, it's the same quote, enlightenment, uh, and as you know, it's ever present. Our, uh, in terms of rigor, rigorousness uh, of our our way is quite rigorous because we're, you know, as you know, the the, um, awakening is quite uh, commonly referred to now as, hey, it's right here. It's all awake. We are actually naturally enlightened, yes. And so the awakening is quite direct, this direct path, as, as it's called. And yet... There's also, then there's some controversy with the graduated paths that, oh, you need a lot of discipline and you have to focus in a particular line or tradition in order to get to the point of direct awakening. Uh, Yes, I don't know if we have to follow a, a specific religious line, although that's not, uh, that's fine if one wants to do that, but there is still could I say um, it's what Sufis call a process of unlearning and yes we can get uh, immediate glimpses of the truth or the real but to sustain them in our lives and to have them mm-hmm. drop all the way through there's as you know there's a uh, well we see it as a process of unlearning rather than adding more storyline uh, Unlearning, we do this through various types of self-inquiry and recognizing the, let's say, the uh, ephemeral quality of thoughts and our and our mind stream and so on, and 
and what we assume our identities to be. And as you know, that, that can be quite, there's so many overlays of that that built up over, build up over a lifetime. The, the, the sense of our self-identity is quite something, there's something that has to be seen, noticed, and released in a, a rigorous way. So I, I, I don't know if that quite answered your question, but in our particular path, it is, uh, it's not that we're going to name it as the Sufi path here, mm-hmm. but it is uh, the process that we're after, that is freeing ourselves from assumptions and self-identity. There's work to be done usually there, right, right. and yet there's no work to be done at all yeah. in, in the awake, uh, right. awakening to well, what already is here. This is what I'm trying to understand. So the open path... Yeah. Uh, uh, is the approach to spiritual realization offered by the Sufi way, and that you yeah. you have trainings and retreats. Let's let's say your retreats held in, in in the U.S. and Europe that are dedicated to direct experience of natural state. So, well, on the one hand, I'm hearing it's all natural, it's all there, it, it's there's nothing to do. On the other hand, you do have retreats, you do have courses that oh, people yeah. take. And, and is it is it is it sequential in that? Right, first you go to, to level A, then level B, level C. So somebody's listening in there thinking, yeah, I'd love to have an experience of non-duality. I've been hearing about it a long time. Is there a systematic yeah. approach to it? Or do I go to a teacher and I, does the teacher tell me, you're already there? And he says, well, no, I'm not. You know, I've had this discussion with other people, and, and I think I, I, I understand. Easy for you to say. Yeah, yeah. You're there. Uh, and uh, you're enlightened. Okay, well, if I'm enlightened, then, you know, throw me under the bus. But, uh, yeah, so I, I would just like some clarification or your thoughts on that. Because that comes up all the time when I talk to people about non-duality. Yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, and... The, uh, we we have a our kind of um, bread and butter or meat potatoes is a is a nine month uh, training uh, that goes on there you know it, so in a sense it's sequential and the, the, there's a book that I wrote um, called the Open Path Recognizing Non Dual Awareness and that that's basically the, the manual or the the workbook for the course but it's you, know, you can do it you don't have to mm-hmm. take the course the training just read the book. I suppose you'd have to do a lot of the exercise there, and it's helpful to have a community to go mm-hmm. through this with. But uh, so, And there is, if you look at the book, there is, yeah, there's a whole sequence of uh, process there. It's, I'd avoid the word systematized because it tends to be spontaneous when we're working with people as well. Yes, there are, there's a sequence, and it's, there's a lot of pointing out along the way. So some people pop, let's say, mm-hmm. early on, and others it may take, they, they can, we've had people taking the, the nine-month training three, four, five times. Uh, so because they, they begin to get more and more familiar with it. Right now we're developing a, a kind of secondary, not secondary, advanced open path training just because there's so many people who want to, who've done it and would like to take it to a deeper level. And I, I've started doing that with retreats. I just came from one in, um, in, in Austria and in Germany and where called 
a joyous cosmology. And that one was with all for graduates. And uh, yes, we could fly a lot easier than having to go through the, init- uh, the, uh, the initial stages, introductory work. So we're, I think there's uh, room for uh, a little more graduation, a uh, grad- graduated uh, mm-hmm. aspect that's developing that way. Um, Elias, um, the ter- as you know, the term non-dual and non-duality um, have become uh, uh, quite favorable buzzwords these days in spiritual circles. And in some instances, um, mm-hmm. the term duality is kind of used as almost like an insult <laughs> or or a pejorative like oh you're so dual oh, you know, that that's just that's like that just show. duality um, um, so I'm curious what your take is on that kind yeah. of um, um, a, yeah. a, approach to non-duality and because uh, you mentioned earlier uh, prayer practice which a lot of non-dual uh, ideologues would would yeah. dismiss as being merely dualistic and so what what is your take on that well thanks for the question it's uh, it's a good one uh it's a little silly those people who might say that are non-dual means non-dual that is it that means it includes it has to include it all which it, it all would include whatever we're talking about uh, as duality mm-hmm. so there is no such thing as uh, that's what our minds do. You know, non-dual is over here, <laughs> right? Duality is over there. But then you've just destroyed the whole sense of uh, what non-duality is pointing to. There is no division at all between the what, the relative world, the dual world, and not non-dual reality. It's it's the whole thing. It's the whole show, uh, and. Um, well, your question about prayer, that's a, that's a, they actually have a whole chapter of that in the Open Path book uh, on, on non-duality and prayer. And yes, prayer is it's correct to see it as a dualistic um, enterprise in that, okay, there's me, the penitent here, and then I'm addressing or communicating to a God entity somehow. There, So there is this... Uh, it's seemingly there's a division between over here and over there. The sacred is over there and here. Uh, well, I find that prayer, which we use, uh, mm-hmm. and especially spontaneous prayer, but there are liturgical. Um, I, I've, with my wife, produced two, three books on prayers, earth prayers, life prayers, prayers for a thousand years, uh, the prayers of humanity. Okay, they're so kind because they start where we are. They mm-hmm. start with us, you know, with a kind of compassionate sense of, okay, here, l- let me express outward, you know, sure, for a petition, for an answer to my prayer, that might be one way. Another way of praying is gratitude or, or praise uh, or simply, Sufis are really good at using love language in their prayers. It's, it's, it's almost like a love affair they're having with what they call the beloved or the friend. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so intimate. Uh, 
that it prayer in this case allows one to make love songs you know that's the trouble with that's the problem with a completely uh, let's say when when you abandon all of the vocabulary of what we would call duality that is i and thou you're kind of stuck with not being able to have any love play with the universe. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so just as long as you treat it lightly, it, it is a play. And, we, and it also, prayer can also be a kind of practice where you empty out uh, your sense of the importance of the me and open to the, in intimacy, to the presence of um, of the all of of this that is actually producing us and is gifting us with being. Uh, uh, Elias, I have uh, one yeah. final question for you. Uh, sure. I, say uh, somebody comes to you, and I think we've all been yeah. in this situation, uh, and, and it's a young person, maybe a college student, and they say, "I've heard about spirituality. I'm, I'm looking for deeper meaning in life. I'm looking." For more depth, uh, there must be more to life than what I'm experiencing. Uh, what, okay. what what do you recommend to them? What 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 would you say to them if somebody came to you tomorrow and asked you that question? Uh, hmm. Well, uh, it, it would depend, but I you know of course I'd I'd say well if you're if you're curious and if this has a good you know come to a something that we're doing mm-hmm. uh, okay and get it if, if that's your taste if this style fits you great then come further or if it isn't uh, you know I'd have to ask more about that person's you know predilections but mm-hmm. uh, you might want to go in this direction since I know quite a few of the different the, the styles of the different spiritual uh, mm-hmm. journeys right. I, I might be able to point out I, I wouldn't have to grab that person for my own that's not uh, we're not aggrandizing that way uh, so I, I I would suggest uh, one thing is that to to go quiet actually to have periods in their in their day or mm-hmm. week in which they could be they'd pause they you know turn off all the electronic stuff and be alone so uh, go quiet solitude Give yourself, you know, mm-hmm. at least an hour or two a week, if not more, to be alone. And mm-hmm. basically, if possible, alone in nature. Nature mm-hmm. is the greatest teacher. Uh, so if you just, for years, uh, my wife and I have t- been taking people out, uh, you know, on, on vision quests, or we call them wilderness quests, where there are people are alone for three, four days mm-hmm. in the wilderness. And... Uh, if if this person who hypothetically came to me was seemed to be attuned to that, I'd say, mm-hmm. do that. It's uh, uh, it it's totally life changing right. to have that kind of uh, quiet in in the right. uh, in the midst of nature. Right. I, I think that's great advice, and it actually next time somebody asks me uh, that 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 whole experience of solitude, quietness. Uh, yeah. So many people don't get that. Phil, any final questions, points you'd want to make? No, I would invite Elias to um, tell our listeners how they can find out more about him and his work uh, on on the web mm-hmm. or any uh, books. And I know you have a book coming out soon, Elias. We're 
recording this in July of 2016, um, and uh, I know you have a, a book coming out soon, so let, let our listeners know about it. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, to f- find out more about us and what we're doing, uh, either the open path, it might be easier to remember that, dot .org, one word, the open path, or sufiway.org. Well, we'll have that website. posted up on our podcast. Uh, oh, okay, that's cool. And um, and then there's the, the open path book that's mm-hmm. out, and the new one that's about to come is uh, uh, called Free Medicine, Meditations on Non-Dual Awakening. Uh, and it's uh, it's actually a compilation of 40 different meditations that I've written over the years. Uh, they're quite personal in nature. They're, they, I did, I've done a lot of activism in various countries around the world, in the Middle East, Southeast Asia. So I'm, uh, a lot of these stories and my experiences through my life kind of show up in in these pieces. What I enjoy about this little book, it's a small book, uh, is that it's, um, each piece is probably two, three, four pages at most. So it, it's something you can dip into and kind of get a lift or a view and then put it down you know, and, and go on with your day. Um, so it's accessible in that way. So it's called Free Medicine. Great. Very Elias, good. Thank you so very much for your time. Uh, and we appreciate it. And I uh, hope you can come back again sometime. We can go a little bit more deeper into the subject matter, but this is a great starting uh, point. And very thought-provoking. Wonderful. Th- thanks. thanks to both of you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye.